This podcast is presented to you by the School of Divinity at Gardner-Webb University in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. The School of Divinity at Gardner-Webb University exists to prepare men and women for Christian ministry, namely the work of the Lord's Church. Our degrees, the Master of Divinity and the Doctorate of Ministry, are carefully designed to equip and encourage ministers for the calling that God has placed on their lives. The Master of Divinity offers six concentrations, and the Doctor of Ministry can be obtained in either Christian ministries or pastoral care and counseling. Should God have called you to any number of ministry vocations, or if you aren't quite sure which one yet, you will find a place here at Garden Web where, as our former dean once said, your heart and your head can be friends. The School of Divinity strives to provide a holistic education that stretches the mind, stirs the heart, and prepares the call for Christian ministry. Immerse yourself in the life of the community and visit gardner-web.edu backslash divinity for more information. This is the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's Conversations. We are bringing you stories from across the fellowship through interviews with people doing groundbreaking work and renewing God's world. Ideas, stories, and innovation from ministers, authors, and practitioners from across the fellowship and beyond. This is Andy Hale. Well, this is it. This is our final podcast episode of 2017. In a traditional way, we're going to look back at the fellowship over the last 12 months. The episode will feature Susie Painter, CBS Executive Coordinator, and Jeff Hewitt, CBS Associate Coordinator of Communications and Advancement. But before we get to our conversation, I want to point your ears to 2018. We are expanding the podcast to house the vast number of stories and guests worth listening to. I'm going to throw a a few names out there. Um, Yeah, I'm going to name drop. You'll hear interviews from Caitlin Betty of Christianity Today, Michelle Higgins, the Director of Faith for Justice, Emma Green, the Religion and Political Writer for The Atlantic. You'll hear stories from Brian McLaren, an interview with Jennifer Harvey, the author of Raising White Kids, Bringing Up Children in a Racially Unjust America. We'll also feature the Emmy storyteller, Melvin Bray, and Daniel Burke of CNN. And this is just a sampling of the first few months of 2018. So be sure to share, listen, and subscribe. And now, CBF, a year in review. Our guest for this week's podcast is CBF's Executive Coordinator, Susie Painter, and the Associate Coordinator of Communications and Advancement, Jeff Hewitt. If you have somehow been in a coma for the last 58 months, Susie was appointed CBF's Executive Coordinator in March of 2013. For almost five years, she has been leading the fellowship as we form together locally and globally and partnering together in renewing God's world. And I probably should pause and give my deepest apologies. If you did just wake up from a 58-month coma, um, there's, we're just so happy that you picked this podcast as your first audible pleasure as you catch up on all that you've uh, missed. And might I also recommend that you catch up on all five seasons of The Walking Dead that you somehow missed, but don't bother with Fear of the Walking Dead. It's not really worth your time. Uh, Jeff Hewitt leads our communication and development staff as we share the stories of field personnel, churches, chaplains, church starters, clergy, and partnership from around the globe. Susie and Jeff, thank you so much for joining the conversation. Thanks so much for having us. Now, before we jump to our conversation, Jeff, I do need to give you a good ribbing. Um, What happened to your Washington Nationals? I mean, how many years are y'all going to dominate the regular season and then choke in the postseason? 
<laughs> yes, I, I, I know. It's uh, several years going here. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Nationals fan, and I think we're just uh, set up for despair every year uh, when it turns to game five. Um, I almost cringe to watch. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as a lifelong Mets fan, I, it's, it's always set up for failure. It's just how I, I live baseball season. And Susie, you're not getting us out, out of this either. Um, I just got a call from Liberty uh, University, and they want to make sure they can get another easy game on their football season schedule for next year with <laughs> Baylor. Uh, so about, probably by the time the podcast airs, the Baylor Bears will have a zero-win season. Uh, fingers crossed there. <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you what, it's a sad, it's a sad year for Baylor, but I ha am a diehard Astros fan and was up till uh, after 1 a.m. watching their fantastic win last night. So uh, not all of my sports endeavors are, are so futile as Baylor. <laughs> well, you know, this, this podcast will go up in December. So really, I mean, who knows how the World Series is going to turn out. We still could potentially have two <laughs> games left when we're recording yeah. this. So. Well, it is, it's hard to believe that another year has come and gone. And for the life of the fellowship, 2017 was full of extraordinary work in the kingdom of God. Let's start with the 25th anniversary celebration. Over 25 years ago, a group of rebel rousers said, we believe there's a better way of being Baptist, that women are called into ministry. Thank you very much. The local autonomy of the church does matter. Creedal statements shouldn't be mandated under ultimatums. And there is something new God is doing. Susie, you have spoken on this endless times this year, but what have these 25 years meant to you? Well, I mean, this, these 25 years have been just uh, an imaginative and creative experiment in living out the kingdom in, you know, in times that call for our best. Um, one of the greatest um, joys for me in CBF life is the fact that I, I was there at the beginning and uh, understand and remember this sense of an urgency to do things for the future. And it was so clear in those days that we were just launching forward with just expectancy uh, unknowns for sure, but expectancy for the future. And so one of the great things about celebrating 25 years is that that, still, that energy, that forward thinking, our vision toward the future is still our compelling vision. And so our 25th anniversary celebrated particularly the future of our global engagement and global missions. And my, you know, the world is a, uh, is a very different place than it was 25 years ago, but in in every place where we serve in all 30 countries, there's such tremendous opportunity and just, and, and CBF has already created a legacy of service in so many places in the world that now we have roots as well as wings in those places. And then supporting our churches, um, doing more and more for healthy churches, looking forward to that. and Nurturing Young Baptists, uh, just keeping the next generation and their future dreams ahead of us are, are the three things that we're focused on the most and that we celebrate in this 25th anniversary. Yeah, this summer we were watching the video at General Assembly and some of the uh, video captured from that, that first General Assembly, that first gathering. It was, it, was, um, it was funny to see some of the faces that are still there. 
uh, to see some of the outfits, you know, 25 years ago that were, um, and, and the fact that some of those people are still wearing some of those same uh, outfits, you know, it's 25 years changes a lot of things, but I guess not for some. Um, Jeff, you were, uh, you were running point on, on much of the 25th anniversary celebration. Um, why was our focus on sustaining global missions, forming healthy churches, and nurturing young Baptists? Yeah, I mean, we really looked um, to sort of stand on the shoulders of those uh, folks that Susie was just talking about. And, um, you know, that, the idea of, of uh, sustaining global missions into the future. I mean, that was one of the, the you know, primary um, reasons that, that CBF was, was birthed, um, but also um, the idea of, of looking to the future, um, which is something that we took into um, into consideration in the in the initial planning, we wanted um, sort of a two-year planning process. We wanted the 25th anniversary celebration of CBF to be um, a recognition and appreciation of all of those who have gone before us and whose shoulders we stand on, um, but also a look toward the future and telling those stories um, through the years, but also looking to the future for, for those future stories that are yet to be told. So, um, you know, throughout the uh, 20, the 25th anniversary celebration, it sort of took on two different paths. One was um, sort of celebrating CBF, the, the past, present, and future, but also then um, sort of raising endowment um, funding uh, for those things uh, into the future, uh, which which is important. So, um, and you know that the 25th anniversary year, we saw congregations really step up and and celebrate their connection with CBS uh, in all of those ways, and, and the way that we partnered together and formed together around global missions, and the way that we. Um, work together to nurture the calling of, of young Baptists and, and the ways that we work together, for instance, around healthy churches to um, sort of take care of our ministers or, um, you know, those types of things that help create um, healthy, healthy congregations, things like dawnings where we were working inside of uh, with churches um, to sort of have them look for God's next um, thing for them. Um, so, I think it was natural that those were the three um, the three groupings. Um, actually, the um, the all the thread uh, sort of the threads of CBF run through those through through those three um, t topics or, or buckets, for instance, of, of global missions and, and healthy churches and, and young Baptists. So that's why they were chosen. It's funny. It depends on who you ask within CBF life. Um, you know, what is the um what is the line in the sand when it comes to the age of a young Baptist? And I have found that uh, it is really depending on who you ask. Uh, some would say 35, some would say 40, um, you know, so I like to think that I'll be one of the ones that keeps pulling that line further and further back as I get older. Um, right. Now, um, I love your input, both of your inputs on, on this one. And Susie, um, if you'll go first, um, can y'all share more about this $12 million fundraising campaign and, and how it affects the fellowship in the next 25 years? Yeah, well, a couple things. One, uh, because of our initial, uh, our initial commitment to global missions in, in CBF life, um, one of the things that we, we doubled down on our commitment to long-term missions. But we also know there is a tremendous uh, desire also for people to go beyond the short-term mission trip, but they're not necessarily a lifelong missionary for their entire career. So one, at, one aspect of the $12 million campaign is to fund 
a new Global Mission Service Corps, which is a two-year uh, placement in global missions for service for people that want to do uh, longer than a week-long mission trip, but not a career in, in missions. And we're very excited about this and have been wanting to uh, relaunch this. It's a program that CBF used to have. And to relaunch the Global Mission Service Corps, we've um, named it in honor of Dick and Jeff Marie Hurst, two wonderful uh, lay people who were dedicated to CBF missions. And Dick is a a uh, physician would come and go to war zones. That was his calling. He went and he's been to uh, uh, Iraq and Afghanistan and Azerbaijan and Bosnia and just lots of dangerous places and during times of war and conflict. And so, you know, picking up on his courage and his calling uh, as a layperson uh, to name this for uh, he and Jess Marie and give people an opportunity, whether this is uh, a time that you're early in your career or a post-retirement placement for two years globally. So that's one uh, great launch from the $12 million campaign. One of the other uh, aspects of the $12 million campaign is also to put together uh, funding in an endowment for healthy churches. For many years, CBF has run most of our ministries for churches off of grants that, you know, they would, we do great work with a grant, but then, you know, three years later, the grant would be gone and that work would, you know, have, a, have had a shelf life, but not be continued. So one of our transitions through the 25th anniversary campaign is to endow the operations of uh, our ministry to churches for things that we know are so essential to the health and well-being of congregations like the fellows program which um, pulls together a cohort of people who are in their first service time of ministry and they they need each other for this first five years of ministry the dropout rate the burnout rate is high if you don't have a team of people and don't have mentors and so we know that from this grant program and uh, we needed a way to make that sustainable in CBF life. And so that, that, for instance, is one of the ways in which we're using some of that funding to help ongoing programs like that. The same thing with Donnings, um, how that has been a grant-funded program, but we know how essential that's been for churches who are looking, every church is asking, you know, what's our next step? Who do we become next? And we know there's no cookie-cutter answer to that, but it's in a discernment process for each congregation. And so creating a way of sustaining that Donnings experience beyond just short-term grant funding has really been part of our um, strategy for the use of that $12 million endowment. So, and the third thing I just mentioned is that every one of our states and regions will get a $100,000 grant for their state and region to do something significant. Um, uh, in 2018 or 2019, that this idea that our uh, states and regions, many of them are looking towards innovation, doing new things in their states and regions, but uh, having a, a sizable gift to jumpstart something uh, makes a difference. And so we felt like that was a, a very worthy stewardship 
of some of the funds from our 25th anniversary campaign. Hmm. Jeff? Uh, yeah, I'll, um, Susie covered a lot of, of, of that. I, I, one of the things I would add would be that there were a lot of creative, there was a creative involvement from many of our congregations. One that I, I think I'll highlight um, because it shows, um, uh, you know, the way that um, the campaign will um, sort of benefit students as they nurture their call uh, through theological education. Um, just um, Wilshire Baptist uh, Church in, in Dallas um, wanted to be a part of the campaign and do so in a way that, that was special and, and unique to their congregation. So they um, decided to name a leadership scholarship, um, those scholarships that um, that, that CBF uh, bestows upon um, its students uh, in CBF congregations and others. Um, but they did, the Wilshire Baptist decided to, to name the, the, uh, the scholarship after uh, Bill and Charlotte Brewster, um, former pastor there. Um, and, uh, it, and that was a meaningful way of that, that congregation doing something that would carry on into the future because it would, it's an endowed scholarship that will be part of our leadership scholarships that's given out every year. So um, just the creativity involved there that, that will carry on into the future. And that's something that, that will continue to support um, CBS involvement in the theological education, the young Baptist um, part of, of the campaign. Hmm. Um, now we launched a new region in 2017 called Fellowship Southwest. And this venture focuses on the work of churches in Texas, Oklahoma, and the West. Um, Susie, why is Fellowship Southwest such a, an important focus for CBF? You know, two things that are really key here. One, we've, we understand, you know, if you don't intentionally do something, it's probably not going to happen just by accident. And so one of the things that we've been talking about for uh, several seasons now is how do we grow CBF? And uh, so taking an intentional uh, look at that, how do we leverage the uh, potential that's in the Southwest region, potential for growth, and how do we grow CBF in the, in the Southwest? Uh, so one of, our, one of our initiatives in Fellowship Southwest is to look beyond the churches that are currently connected to CBF and uh, invite other churches to be a part of it through hosting faith tables, uh, especially in areas where Baptist work is not particularly strong or where there's not been a legacy of that in New Mexico and Arizona and um, in Southern California where we've needed to expand. And then uh, also to work with ecumenical groups in um, a more deliberate way around tables of common ministry. So a part of Fellowship Southwest is about intentionally trying to expand CBF and uh, learning some lessons there while we're at it. Um, other aspects are to, to leverage the ministries that are existing among our churches in a, in a whole wide region that we know that state lines are kind of an artificial boundary and especially in an area where we've got a lot of churches that are uh, in Texas, but they are already partnering with churches in the West and already partnering with church starting in the West, with already in churches in Oklahoma that are partnering with uh, Native American churches in Oklahoma that are partnering with Native American churches in Arizona. And how do we uh, 
strengthen that network, uh, Hispanic churches in Texas, strengthening their network with Hispanic churches in Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arizona. So um, it really is an, an intentional experiment in uh, how to grow CBF, our impact, as well as um, the number of churches that are affiliated with us. Hmm. Now, uh, and Marv Knox fits the part perfectly. I mean, obviously his resume and his relationships in that region, um, but he also looks Western. Uh, I mean, if, if Marv was to grow a bushier mustache, he looks like Sam Elliott from Tombstone. So I feel like that had to be a part of uh, yeah, this, this process. Yeah, speaking of wardrobe, like you did at the beginning of this, yeah, we're just going to basically ask him to change into those, you know, boots <laughs> and have a Stetson in every picture, right? Whatever. Yeah. It's just a man, he wears chaps everywhere he goes, even if he's not yeah, riding a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Um That'll, that'll definitely make a hashtag at the end of this podcast. Um, so it's, it's hard to focus in on each of CBF's initiatives and partnership events um, for the year, but just listen to some of these. Seminary Retreat in Montreat, North Carolina, Church Works in Jacksonville, Florida, Advocacy in Action in Washington, D.C., Leading Women in Knoxville, Tennessee, Student.go, Student.Church, C'est La Vie, Dawnings, Together for Hope, CBF Scholars, our third fellows cohort. Uh, two church started exploratory conference, peer learning groups, chaplaincy and pastoral care endorsement, Latino network, African American network, and appointing new global missions field personnel. Um, Jeff, as the person who leads the primary storytelling mechanism of the fellowship, what does such a, a diverse collection of initiatives tell you about our fellowship? Right. Yeah. You know, when I, I hear you say that uh, all in the same sentence, it's, it's, it's a lot. Uh, and it, it is every day as we tell the story. Um, but what it says to me, I think, as I look through here is, is that there's a lot of um, opportunity through the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship um, for, um, for people to prepare themselves um, for their calling and for, um, you know, for the seminarian retreat, for instance, to be around others who are going through similar um, things that they are in their, in their seminaries. But, so it's, it's sort of a time of preparation. Same thing for church work. Um, uh, leading women is the same. You know, uh, la vie, like you mentioned, is, is a time to sort of step back and uh, um, not, not necessarily prepare, but to, to look back and see what, what you did um, over the course of a summer. So there's a lot of opportunities there to, to prepare. And then there are other opportunities, I think, through this list where you're, you're, it's all about action. Um, so you're, you're prepared and then you're, you're going through action. So there's advocacy and action is one of those. Um, student.church and student.go where students are on mission around the world with, alongside our field personnel or they're um, in a church serving alongside a church staff. Um, just, I mean, I could go on and on, but I think that is the biggest um, uh, thing that I take away from the list is that through CBF, um, we help uh, prepare individuals alongside their churches, and then we, we help provide opportunities for service and to put that faith into action. Susie, what about for you? What does this diverse collection of initiatives for the kingdom tell you about the fellowship? Well, let me just pick one that was a brand new initiative for us this year, Leading Women, um, because it was it was just such a, a labor of love and such an organic and beautiful outcome. And um, 
Women in Ministry has long, as you mentioned earlier, been a keynote um, aspect of CBF life. And this year, um, we convened a, a wonderful meeting, three-day meeting, that was really focused on women in ministry, pulling them together for workshops, for preaching, for worship together, for sharing and, and just wonderful fellowship and enjoyment of each other, getting to know each other across states and regions. And one of the immediate and visible aspects of the Leading Women Conference was its natural diversity. Uh, in so many uh, communities, Latino communities, African-American communities, as well as Anglo communities, women have faced challenges in uh, taking pastoral and ministerial leadership roles. And so um, the folks that came to the conference uh, were from all kinds of ethnic communities. And it was so beautiful to see that outpouring of connection and love towards each other uh, making new friends, uh, Latino friends, and African-American friends in ministry, and but providing uh, that kind of quality uh, experience um, and growth and connection. And that is this, the whole Denama Network uh, idea is that there is an experience of friendship, an experience and an opening for the Holy Spirit. And there is growth and learning and sharing and deepening of relationship. And, you know, there's an opportunity for uh, being formed together for the future. So that that one event, it, it was a collaboration between Baptist Women in Ministry and CBF. There was participation by all of our seminaries. There was participation by so many women in ministry who are serving in churches all across the country, and uh, it was just a joyful experience, and uh, it's a really good example to me of how partnering together with our different uh, partners in ministry creates something beautiful that draws people together, and that's the kind of events we enjoy being a part of because they're meaningful and not just something to fill our calendar. Mm. One initiative go back to, and maybe just the person who coordinates the initiative. What are we going to do with the the church start guy? I mean, though he may be handsome, he is so tiny. I mean, when he stand next, when he stands next to his boss, Harry Rowland, it looks like David and Goliath playing out in in front of our eyes. What are we going to do about this? You're talking to the you're talking to the minuscule woman. Of course. <laughs> Small people unite. Um, That's right. I just take a box with me everywhere I go, and I stand on it unashamedly. I'll say this: I think the next time that y'all are on stage together, Andy, it's your your uh, it's your uh, uh, request to the stage managers that y'all be in tall stools. So mm. then you're at least eyeball to eyeball. I have learned these tricks. <laughs> Asking people to sit down. You know? I do love that idea. My other thought was that I could just climb on Harry's back and sit on his shoulders. Um, but I don't think the microphone can reach that high. We do we do this uh we do this tiny, teeny tiny family reunion every year in June called General Assembly. Have y'all have y'all heard of it? Um, never heard of it. What are you talking about? Yeah. No. Uh 
this year it was at Atlanta's Hyatt Regency as 1,500 attendees gathered for five days of community and worship and commissioning and formation and partnerships. Uh, we heard Brian McLaren celebrate our 25 years by saying, without realizing it, you have been getting yourself into, you stepped out and had no idea how much change could happen in 25 years. And at the same time, charged us at our 50th anniversary to not be nostalgic preservers of our past, but dynamic creators who join God in creating a just, joyful, peaceful, beautiful future. We commissioned 39 chaplains, five church starters, four global missions, field personnel, celebrated beloved community around the world, including the retirement of Ralph and Tammy Stocks. Susie, what sticks out to you from June's General Assembly? You know, undoubtedly, um, the charge to uh, to our future from Brian that it, that was a very powerful charge. But and but also the Wednesday night um, celebration uh, of the sort of the anniversary party of CBF because the way that it was organized, there was some reminiscing. But in every segment of the program, there was a future cast and. I was sitting, as you would imagine, at the table with a lot of our um, VIP guests, many of whom uh, are from outside of CBS. And I was so proud that this panorama of C both CBS history and the hope of CBS future were showcased just succinctly on that stage on that Wednesday night. And uh, it was like a little microcosm of, uh, you know, for all that has been, thanks, for all that will be, yes. And I'm grateful to E.E. E. Cummings for that short way of, of embracing both our past and our future. So that really stood out to me, that, that particular party. Um, in worship, I felt like the, the power of communion um, in, in our Friday night service at, at, as we commission people to go out. You know, there are a lot of things that we do as individuals. There are a lot of things we do as individual churches. But when we commission missionaries, when we endorse chaplains, when we commission them and send them out, when we commission church starters, these are things that we're doing as a family of CBS. And uh, it is, in, as people come forward in communion and I look at them, coming down the aisles, my eyes just fill with tears because I know that no one person that's coming forward that night is carrying a huge responsibility for the global mission team or the church starting team or the chaplains, but by each of us doing a small part, the part that we've already been given, uh, these things happen so beautifully and it empowers the full-time ministry and calling of people in global places or the full-time ministering calling, you know, of a chaplain that's going to serve in areas of the world and in conflict times that we'll never even see, or, you know, a church starter that'll be in a brand new location that wouldn't have existed, you know, and uh, so that moment of communion and that moment of commissioning together is one of the most beautiful um, parables on, uh, of, of what CBF is as a ministry. I love it. And Jeff, coming out of General Assembly, what were the stories that were told and need to continue to be told? 
you know, one of the the stories that that uh, you know to sort of piggyback on what Susie said about the commissioning, I, I think it's always important. Um, to talk about the importance of supporting our field personnel when we send them around the world. Um, and uh, I think one example this year, um, we commissioned three um, three different units. So we had Brittany and Casey Ramirez um, in Chengdu, China. Uh, and I think it's important to point out that they're going to be continuing work there for field personnel that have laid the groundwork that have been in um, in China for a really long time. Um, for for years, um, China of course um, needs more pastors, frankly, and so uh, part of the work that CBF has been doing in China uh, has been helping to um, to teach teachers um, and to to be sort of lay leaders of their congregations, but not just that, but then to go out and start other churches, um, all led through the congregations there in, in China, and that work. Um, will continue there of the of the the, the K yards because of um, our commissioning uh, Brittany and Casey Ramirez in Chandu, China. Also had a couple um, Leslie Ann Hicks Tommy uh, there to continue work that has has started in in the Hell's Kitchen neighborhood of New York City uh, through Rauschenbusch Metro Ministries. Um, and so you know that I, that commissioning that sending uh, especially um, you know. Uh, Sort of com- continuing that work that has been been uh, happening all along, that has been so um, fruitful, um, and that we're sending additional uh, folks there to, to do that work is is um, uh, certainly an important story. Um, you know, to go back to, to Brian McLaren's um, uh, sort of charge um, to the General Assembly, just the idea that um, that we need to sort of center on the grand essentials of our faith is what is what he said and those grand essentials were the gospel of jesus the great commission and the great commandment that idea of going and making disciples of all nations but then um sort of loving uh your god with all your heart soul mind and strength um and then um, loving your neighbor as yourself those two sort of uh bedrock um sort of parts of uh, of a whole there, um, uh, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment uh, uh, were were uh, you know part of uh, the Brian McLaren presentation, and I think were were huge um, sort of uh, their foundational elements to um, to what we do as, as CBF. So you know those are um, the two things that I would take away. But just um, I think the idea of of what General Assembly is, I think, is 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 needs to be highlighted. But it's just this idea of a we talk about it like a as a family reunion or bringing everyone together. But there's a lot of learning that happens uh, there through the through the workshops and a lot of worship um, and a lot of as I said before the sending where we're all laying on hands for individuals who we're sending out in, into the world to to. Uh, to then we would we're going to support them uh, in the future through through prayer and through financial contributions when they're um, uh, doing their ministry uh, around the world. So, um, and I, I say all that for for you know field personnel and for our missionaries that we send, but we also commission pastoral counselors and um, and, and those who are in chaplains who are in specialized settings, every um, uh, branch of the military and in hospitals and in prisons. Um, just, I think we're painting a picture of all the ways that partnership matters 
um, because this isn't something that an, event, an individual or a church can all do themselves. Um, but, but coming together with uh, congregations uh, across the country and around the world, we're able to do mighty things. Um, and, uh, and I think um, so. The story that we're telling coming out of General Assembly is that you know one one year of of how that is true, uh, and that's sort of what we painted in the 25th anniversary event, and it's it's what we try to show that the impact of CBS um, through all of the things that we do through General Assembly is really showing that sort of tapestry of all that the impact that we have and ways that people can come together to learn more and to to become better friends and family. Hmm. I always love how we end um, with the image of, of community together. And of course, Susie, you had some um, challenging words this year. You said, uh, just as we commission these missionaries, I am commissioning you to be missionaries and advocates for CBF Global Missions and your own churches. Love spreads in contagious ways. When you say, yes, you welcome a refugee, you welcome someone home, you'll share the gospel just by saying yes. That's beautiful. You know, I think one of the things, um, Andy, that so that that phrase and that aspect of my my remarks at at CBS came from an experience where I was in a town and somebody referred to one of our churches and said, "Oh yeah, that's the church that always says yes." And I just thought, what a beautiful thing to be said about a church by a community um, that when the community turns in need to that church that church always says yes well um you know it's it's funny as we plan all these different initiatives and partnership events throughout the year um, we also have to keep in mind that things happen in our world um, there's a great Henry Nowen quote, and it's not verbatim. Essentially, he says, um, for all my ministry, I've been complaining about my work being interrupted until I realized my interruptions are my work. <laughs> and, um, you know, this year is, is a year of, of that. And by the time this podcast airs, it will be five months since the events of Charlottesville, rising out of uh, the protests of violence, um, vitriol, and racism of all these um, we're, we're churches and clergies and followers of Jesus taking a stand. And, and Susie, you brought the fellowship together with a call to action. Take us back to these events and, and our response as a fellowship. Well, clearly, after the Charlottesville moment, um, we had already been working diligently uh, for over a year in CBF Life to really speak more deliberately about diversity and to to live into our belief around the value of um, all of our brothers and sisters in Christ and and to move beyond racial divisions that have become accentuated uh, unjustly in our common life together as a, as a country and how do we as a church speak out of that and uh, so our We'd already been working in that vein, and so after Charlottesville, when the specter of such um, hateful white supremacy was on display, and then that specter of such evil uh, kind of brigade turned into deadly violence, 
uh, we just wanted to have the opportunity for our folks to, to speak a word against that because our, of our need to be um, a positive voice and, and positive actions, you know, toward racial justice in our country. And so we um, created a sign-on statement and we're, you know, hoping to have, you know, a, a few pastors sign on to it uh, from, you know, notable states. And there was just an overwhelming response to that sign-on statement, people wanting to, to speak into that. And then, of course, we are committed in partnership with the Progressive National Baptist Convention, with the National Baptist Convention of America International, to work with two African-American denominations to work towards it. A very important landmark experiences of racial justice in the Angela Project, which culminated in uh, a, a convening this uh, recently in, in this just a few months ago toward focusing on the crisis in education and uh, and education equality, and then next summer will be around poverty, and then in um, 2019, when our meeting is in Birmingham, Alabama, we'll com convene to commemorate the 400th anniversary of the first enslaved person that came to the United States. But to have an arc, a three-year arc of really developing uh, initiatives towards racial justice, our commitment to the New Baptist Covenant of having covenants of action between black and white churches in cities of, uh, across uh, all of our states and regions, and that the developing true relationships of, of action and empowerment in communities with CBF churches. So this is, you know, this is a very important time, and it, and it is it's also the, the important part of the story of many of our CBF churches. So many of our CBF churches um, have a civil rights story from the 60s or the early 70s, where their church took a stand in their city um, to accept black members to stand up for school desegregation or to start a new congregation out of a, a church that was not going to allow black membership. And that story is at the seed of, of many of our CBF congregations. And so I think in this um, speaking about how time you know, kind of comes back around I think now we're uh, in need of new acts of initiative toward racial justice. And I feel like our congregations are poised and prepared and uh, of one will about taking action in that way. Hmm. You know, we could spend an entire podcast episode on, on talking about um, the conversations that come out of Charlottesville. And, um, you know, obviously as we're mm -hmm. trying to, um, look over the whole year. Um, you know, we don't get far removed from Charlottesville before uh, the late summer really didn't get any easier. The hurricane uh, Harvey and Irma and Maria smashed Texas and the Southeast and the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean. And out of these uh, horrific storms, we saw responses of bravery and compassion and hope. Um, Jeff, you wrote a, a challenging piece calling the fellowship to respond with prayer sharing resources, giving wisely, organizing effectively, and thinking long-term. Um, how have you seen churches, partners, individuals take actions in the face of these disasters? 
Uh, that's a great question, Andy. Thanks, thanks for that. Yeah, you know, congregations across the fellowship, whether it was Hurricane Irma um, that sort of hit the Bahamas, Cuba, Puerto Rico, um, and parts of, of Florida and Jacksonville and, and South Florida. Um, churches like uh, Island View Baptist there, Hendricks Avenue Baptist, really, you know, stepped up to become sort of hubs of activity, um, you know, uh, going through training and hosting volunteer groups and preparing to host volunteer groups. Um, that's just speaking about, you know, Hurricane Irma that, that hit in September. Um, you have churches. Um, another good example is is uh, with Hurricane Harvey. Uh, there, uh, that storm hit in in August. You had South Maine step up uh, and volunteer to be a, a hub there. Um, but the the flooding, um, the, there was heavy flooding there in Houston. But beyond that, out into the rural areas um, along the Texas Gulf Coast, there was a lot of wind damage. So you had a lot of um, you know, there's, there, there are a lot of folks who weren't necessarily getting the attention uh, of um, that, that Houston was. So um, CBF, um, along with partners like, um, like Baylor University, like um, the Baptist University of the Americas, um, you know, really sort of uh, including the Hispanic Baptist Convention there um, with Jesse Rincones and CBF Texas. I think it really shows the partnership um, that, that comes out of uh, uh, storms like this and is really sort of CBS role uh, when it comes to disaster responses or sort of um, using our network um, that we develop uh, throughout the year in, in these cases. But uh, Hurricane Harvey certainly inflicted a lot of damage there in Houston and, and then in the Texas Gulf Coast. It continues. Um, and uh, we will be there for um, for months uh, to come, uh, and uh, that is sort of the hallmark of, of CBS Global Response is the fact that we will be there in the long term. Um, you know, Hurricane Maria um, in Puerto Rico, uh, great. Um, you know, we work there alongside um, CBF of Florida. It's all in partnership, um, and the Iglesia Baptista de Metropolis, uh, which is uh, the Church of Jesus Garcia, who's on. CBS um, Missions Council. Uh, it was sort of set up as a base of operations there in, in Puerto Rico. Um, and then uh, to add to the partnership um, was First Baptist of Newport News, um, which is lending support there based on relationships that have formed over the years uh, with uh, members of, of Newport News uh, uh, going to Puerto Rico in, in, in partnership. So, um, but, you know, it goes on from there. I mean, CBF has been a part of, of providing uh, funding for, for TARPs for uh, the Mexico um, earthquake that happened uh, in September. And you know, while we were dealing in the United States and um, with uh, these, these hurricanes, uh, Mexico was, was dealing with um, with uh, earthquake, and then uh, we're currently um, we have full personnel out in California uh, that are um, helping to network a, a group of churches around uh, the California wildfires in Santa Rosa. Rick and lead a sample of they're doing that work. Um, so um, it is a sort of a robust response from um, disaster response this year. But I think really what it highlights is the the power of, of our partnership and the role that we play, which is to try to network uh, people in churches to make a difference um, uh, through prayer um, where, where they can, um, and uh, perhaps through volunteer efforts, which we, we coordinate from 
um, from our website and we have a volunteer coordinator that helps with that um, with groups that, that may want to come um, and there's a you know a link on our website that that can help churches get more information about about that cbf.net uh, for that but uh, a, a robust response um, al along the um, the ideas of, of we need um, certainly to pray um, in specific ways for for the people that are affected and their families um, also uh, volunteer um, and also give uh, and give in a way that is helpful Not, um, and uh, that for CBF is by giving financial resources that CBF can help um, distribute in, a, in an efficient and effective way um, using our network uh, rather than sending items. Um, and that is the, um, in the article that you were referencing, that, that was the point that we were making, is that in this case, it was extremely helpful to send financial resources rather than donated items, um, which the transportation cost um, would make those hard to, uh, and the, the way of getting them in uh, would make the, the, the financial contribution much more helpful. Hmm. Well, as we think around 2017, and certainly you know, as we record this, we have few months left in the year and I'm sure there's things that are happening around the fellowship that not only will happen between now and then but things we couldn't necessarily get to but we also want to look to 2018. Um, it's hard to believe but um, 50 years ago in this coming April uh, just after 6 p.m. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was fatally shot standing in the balcony outside of his second story room in the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, he'd just given um, that famous speech, I've been to the mountaintop. Um, and there's a, an initiative uh, along with Together for Hope um, called Civil Rides. Uh, and it's going to be in April 4th through the 8th. Um, Susie, can you tell us more about what it is, what the, what the drive behind it is? Sure. Uh, one of the great um, opportunities that we have, both for lifting up uh, a light and an emphasis on racial justice and to bring a light and an emphasis to our initiatives of Together for Hope in the Mississippi Delta will be uh, a 500 mile bicycle ride called Civil Rides, um, launching at the Lorraine Motel on the day uh, commemorating Dr. King's assassination. Our bike riders and supporters will gather there at the Lorraine Motel for the opening ceremonies there of commemorating um, his tragic death and then begin um, a ride through the Mississippi Delta down to New Orleans to the very blocks where slaves were sold uh, in New Orleans to commemorate and remember the sacrifices of so many people uh, toward our um, opportunities today and, and toward the advancement of racial justice uh, and to the flourishing of so many lives in the poorest counties in our um, nation. So our emphasis in Together for Hope has been on the 20 poorest counties in the United States, but we are uh, in, looking toward the future in Together for Hope, launching an initiative really to reach out to 300 counties. Uh, rural poverty is something that affects so many people in our country and so many people of color suffer disproportionately from poverty and from a, a lack of opportunity. And so um, marshalling uh, bike riders that are willing to carry that message 
uh, for five days, riding about 100 miles a day, stopping, um, having significant um, events at, at each stop, and um, but recalling the sacrifice of Dr. King, but also recalling that dream and how the transformation, uh, the transformational development in rural counties and in poor communities across the United States is a way of uh, reflecting God's kingdom and God's dream for us as reflected uh, in Isaiah in the, his, in the remarkable passage about the lion lying down with the lamb and by all, all creatures coming together. And so our, our sense of um, lifting up a beautiful vision of justice as we uh, ride, walk, uh, bicycle, uh, motorcycle, uh, ride in a car, however we do it to, to cover those 500 miles and to speak into that. So grateful to Jason Coker for organizing this and for working with Rand Jenkins in uh, uh, putting this together and so grateful to the museum at the Lorraine Motel, the National Civil Rights Museum there, for blessing this event as a launch event for that important day. Hmm. 100 miles per day for five days. Um, you know, I'll go ahead and put the offer out there if somebody wants to ride a tandem bike with me or, um, you know, be a bicycle <laughs> with a sidecar where we can switch back and forth. Um, you know, the offer stands. Jeff, can you tell us where we can go to find out more information if someone wants to sign up to be a part of this? Uh, yeah, Civil Rides has a uh, Facebook page. It's at Civil Rides um, is how to get more information about that. Wonderful. Well, I know 2018 is going to hold uh, a lot of things, um, you know, with all these initiatives and many more. Um, we, of course, are looking to General Assembly in June 11th through the 15th in Dallas. Um, it's a long ways away, but for those that are planning it, it's not a long ways away. It's here now. So what are some things that we can anticipate for, for General Assembly this year, Susie? Well, one of our main focus areas of this General Assembly would be global church and local church. And um, it'll our General Assembly will be in Dallas. And one, on Wednesday night, we'll have a, and on Wednesday, we'll have a focus on Fellowship Southwest and some of the fantastic things that are being done there. And uh, honestly, there's a fantastic uh, pastor, one of our pastors, Greg Long. He's a Navajo pastor who is uh, working right now on a translation of uh, the Bible in into the Navajo language because the only existing uh, translation like that was done through... Uh, kind of a circuitous, you know, three or four uh, translation kind of filtered way. And he is both, Greg is both a, a Hebrew scholar and uh, a native Navajo speaker. And so he's going to talk about that project. I'm excited about hearing about that. Uh, also, we'll um, be spending time, there'll, there'll be a an event, a leadership event. We, we've had typically had leadership events for pastors and people like that, but we um, are hosting a leadership event this year uh, for church business administrators, executive pastors, and those who want to know about the more about more in depth about the financial side of running a church, raising money, creating foundations, um, helping to develop a deeper 
strategies that way. And Cape and Krauss, our auditor and uh, high ground, which is the investment uh, company that we invest our retirement funds with uh, through and different uh, in our CBF Foundation investments are sponsoring that for a day-long workshop. And that's going to be a neat and added professional opportunity at General Assembly this year. Well, for this last question, um, I'll give you a moment to think about it. Um, and Jeff, if you'll go first, as you think around 2017 and heading into 2018, what are, what are your final thoughts on, on this year and what's to come? Yeah, thanks for that question, Andy. I, I think as, I, as we go uh, into 2018, um, I'm thinking about th just the fact that CBF is in, in growth mode, um, just in the way that, um, that we're reaching out um, with Ruben Ortiz uh, coming on with the, the Latino network, um, the work that we're doing uh, with, in fellowship uh, in the Southwest, with Fellowship Southwest, sort of layering an additional um, sort of uh, – the person to help with the coordination uh, among those and the ministries that Susie spoke about earlier, that is a, an area of growth, that growth in cooperation, the growth in, in sort of a coordinated ministry, I think is, is huge. Um, uh, the way that, you know, even with um, the addition of, of uh, Casey Jones, sort of a, a growth there in, in uh, you know, our outreach to churches, I think is, is a major uh, example of how CBF is growing of church engagement, the way that um, that we're really wanting to 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 be a part of uh, and be uh, responsive to our congregations across the fellowship. Um, so, in my mind, I really think about CBF uh, as being in growth mode, and and that being an exciting element of 2018 is just to see. Uh, all of that partnership and all of those things that we can do together as as we look to um, certainly stay grounded in the, um, the great commandment and the great commission, but um, and and to really um, reach out into congregations and and to uh, to be uh, to expand uh, what we're doing uh, in the fellowship and the impact that we have. Well, Susie, you probably get asked to to give a final thought about as often as any ordained minister gets asked to pray in some sort of public place. But as you as you think about 2017 and going into 2018, what are your what are your thoughts? You know, Andy, I, I think about the context that we're in in such a divisive and in 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 such a difficult time uh, with so many uncertainties and fears globally and personally and in our, um, in our um, civil context and in areas of our lives that, you know, I'm really struck by the importance of what it means to put the love of Christ first in your life and what it means to live out of the love of Christ. And what I see in our congregations and in CPF life, what I see in our field personnel, what I, what I see in our in, uh, efforts in deepening our church engagement is this um, taking this candlelight of Christ's love and saying, this is the light that will see us through this, these times of darkness. And that by living lives that are centered on Christ's love, and by asking ourselves, what, what is it 
that Christ's love has for us? And how can we live that today? How can I love my church? How can I love my family? How can I love my community? How can I love the people around me? How can I love the unlovely? These are the things that are focused in our ministries. And I, I see our congregations uh, loving each other in beautiful ways and coming to each other's care in times of difficulty. And I see our uh, ministries and CBF life re reaching out to many people who are marginalized and, and are set aside in the world. They're refugees or they are uh, despised and they are uh, put aside and we're coming to their aid, whether that's in Romania or in uh, Indonesia or whether that's in Asia or whether that's in um, you know, Virginia, Texas, New Mexico, you know, just the love of Christ, how can it be the light in our lives and in our world? Um, so I'm, I'm focused on that in CBF life because I just think we have to put the first things first and uh, put that calling that Jesus had to follow him um, at the at the center of our lives and at the center of CBF. And I, I just don't think we go wrong from that. And I just see that commitment uh, from so many people to try to live that kind of life of love and how it is sadly a countercultural existence. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about ChurchWorks before we let you go. ChurchWorks is a three-day event for all practitioners of education and spiritual formation in a congregational setting. ChurchWorks creates space for renewal and ministry through practices of creativity, community, and working. To teach the people of God, educators need a place to be equipped, to be inspired, and to be renewed. ChurchWorks will take place in Trinity Baptist Church in San Antonio, Texas, February 26th through the 28th, with John Singletary as our keynote speaker. Visit CBF backslash cw backslash churchworks for more information and to register as we let you go i just want to tell you how much of a joy it's been to be with you this year we look forward to all of the conversations that we'll bring next year from practitioners from authors from ministers from across the fellowship and around the world visit cbf.net for more information about the cooperative baptist fellowship where you can find stories about our church starters, field personnel, and chaplains, as well as the many ways we are engaging congregations around the United States. 